Good evening. It's good to be here. If you're visiting, uh, and I don't know if I saw any visitors, but if you are visiting, we're glad that you're here. Uh, I'm going to be doing something just a little bit different uh, than what I usually do. Uh, I want to bring to you uh, the class that we've been learning uh, or doing in the teen class this last uh, quarter. The idea is that uh, I want to share with you what it is that our children are learning, or your children uh, are learning, but also I think that this information is, is pertinent because um, if we want to raise a generation that is going to follow the Lord, we have to learn how to talk like them, we have to learn what they're dealing with, um, and so we're going to be covering uh, that class. It'll also be my first series, and we're going to be taking it from uh, a book that I've been reading called The Beauty of Intolerance. Uh, I titled this lesson The uh, Beauty of God's Standard just because I thought it might be a turnoff on the sign if, uh, if they saw that I was, we were talking about being intolerant. But in fact, we are going to be talking about being intolerant, but by God's standards. And when we do it the right way, when we're intolerant the way that God is intolerant, it's actually really, really a beautiful thing. And it's a soul-winning thing. And so uh, let's preface this by, by stating that uh, we've been learning on Sunday mornings in Proverbs. We have Lady Wisdom and we have Lady Folly. And when you have those two put to uh, Lady Wisdom that you have is going to always come with order. When you follow God's wisdom, there is order to your life. And when you follow folly, there's going to be chaos in life. And so we need to set that foundation. When it comes to God's standard, when we have to be intolerant based on what God has given us, it's always going to lead to order in our lives. And so we're just going to dive right into it. First, I want to make sure that we all know I'm not taking uh, full credit for all the material that, that we're going to be uh, covering uh, these next couple months. Uh, like I said, these guys, Josh uh, McDowell and Sean McDowell, it's a uh, father-son uh, author and authors, and they've been working together uh, to create this book. And uh, a lot of the information in there uh, that that we're going to cover is coming from this book. So I want to make sure to give them the credit due them on that. We've been starting our class by making a, a simple statement. And the statement is that if I believe that God created me in his image, then I must believe he created everyone else in his image. See, Christianity, especially in today's culture, gets, this, gets a bad rap, I'd, I'd like to say, that, we, uh, that we're called hate mongers and hypocrites because we hold to this standard and people consider it hate because we're holding to a particular standard. And so we need to start by, by the simple statement stating that I believe that God created me. So if I believe in that simple truth, then he must have created everyone else. So everyone needs to be treated with love, respect, dignity, those types of things. The other thing that we're going to be working on with that is that our words are going to have different meanings. And so what does it mean to respect and love and treat others with dignity uh, from a biblical standpoint? Well, let's just look at those real quickly. We're going to compare and contrast. See, 
Tolerance, according to this culture, is to recognize and respect that every individual and their values and their truth, claims, beliefs, and practices are equally valid. So Bob can believe one thing and Robert can believe another, and since they both believe it to be true, then it's equally true. That is the standard of measurement. However, the Bible, we recognize and respect others even when we don't share their values, beliefs, and practices. Jesus and uh, the adulterous woman. He certainly didn't agree with what she was doing. He certainly, certainly didn't hate her. To respect somebody in today's culture means to wholeheartedly approve of others' beliefs or lifestyle choices as, as equally valid. And so the way that I respect you is if I make sure that I agree and endorse the things you're doing, even if I believe that they're bad. They're your choices, and so I respect you by agreeing and endorsing those. However, the biblical idea is, uh, with respect is that giving due consideration to others as valuable human beings without endorsing their beliefs and lifestyle choices. So I can love you, I can have concern for you based on a standard of measurement that I get from the Bible, and I can still love you and show you respect without agreeing with what you're doing. See, the, the, the culture is, is taking these basic words and twisting them. Dignity in today's culture is that humans have inherent worth shaped and realized by personal choices and standards that are created by the individual. I will tell you how valuable I am because I believe how valuable I am, or I see how valuable I am, or I'm worth this much money, or, or I'm not worth anything because I'm, I'm poor, nobody pays attention to me, I don't have many friends, all right? We measure this volume, uh, our value, uh, by our own standards. However, the Bible and God tells us something much different, that God created us in His image, and humans uh, have an inherent and inalienable worth of infinite value, a value so great that God sent His Son to die for us. Acceptance. The cultural idea of acceptance we've kind of touched on already with respect is not only to endorse but to celebrate or praise others for their beliefs and lifestyle choices. It's not enough to just say, okay, I see what you're doing. Now I, have to, now I have to get really excited about it, right? We got the we, uh, <clears throat> black square on, uh, on Instagram, you know, uh, pride flags on everything. Um, it's not just enough to say that, all right, you've been, you've been accepted. Now I have to celebrate it. I've got to make it a part of my life. However, the biblical aspect is that we embrace people regardless of their beliefs or lifestyle choices. No one should feel judged when they come in this building, we accept them. And through our love and our tolerance, uh, uh, to a certain degree, um, our acceptance and respect, treating them with dignity, we show them the love of Christ and the love of God, and they change their ways because they've seen the love of God. And moral judgment. The culture aspect is no one has the right to judge another person's truth or behavior. Turn on the news. That one will answer itself. Okay? Don't, you can't judge me based on what I'm doing. You're not me. 
I make my own rules. I make my own moral judgment. However, the biblical aspect is that we, uh, certain things are morally right or wrong. And we determine this from being immersed in God's Word and knowing God's Word. I keep telling the kids that God's Word is, is a, a standard of measurement. It doesn't change. Two plus two is never going to equal five. It's always going to equal four. So we can always have an accurate measurement. God's Word is the same way. It doesn't change. We can go to it and know that it's not gonna, we're not going to fall asleep and wake up one day and it's going to change on us. When we make our decisions based on that standard, it's going to be the right decision or the wrong decision. Personal preference. Uh, and the cultural says the uh, cultural aspect is individual preferences of sexual behaviors, value systems, and beliefs are personally determined. So it doesn't matter how I want to live my life. It doesn't matter how I want to do uh, <clears throat> what my values are. If I want to do something, I'm going to do it. And that is my personal preference. Something as big as sexual preference, right? Again, uh, I haven't been getting into those things with the kids, but we're in, we're in the audience here now. Um, general concepts, but that's a big thing, right? Transgenderism, hom- homosexuality, that, that's huge in our culture right now. However, that's a personal preference. But according to the Bible, that's not a personal preference, is it? That's a standard in, in, in a way that we should be living. So our personal preferences, according to the Bible, are things like art, food, clothing style, parentheses within reason. <laughs> Don't get me started on that one. Uh, hobbies, things like that. All right, those things can be personally determined, but the things that God specifically talks about, like, uh, like sexual preferences, who is our one God, our value system, our belief that there is no other God before him, those things are not personal preferences. Those are standards. And so when we deal with and approach the lost in today's society and the culture, we must approach them as Jesus would. And so we take those definitions and we apply those to how we talk to people, how we treat people, how we talk to our, our young people. Because let's be honest, a lot, of, a lot of young people say they're being brought here by their grandparents or, or they're not here all the time. Their only time that they get to be with the Lord's people is, say, at camp. All right, they're coming from a world that, is a, that they're immersed in today's culture, and that's their standard. And so we have to approach them in this manner or we lose them. We become intolerant bigots, okay? However, we should be intolerant, but based on God's standard and in God's way. So uh, this is where we would have some discussion. So I put one and two together. So we're going to jump into the moral truth claims. Uh, We talked about that a second ago. This idea that now that we have our definitions put in place and we love everyone and we know what they believe and we know what uh, the culture's definition of these things are, we know what the biblical aspect of those things are, uh, we have to jump into what I would say today is called moral truth claims. This idea that I can say what I want to say and it's going to be true. I can believe what I want to and it's going to be true. Uh, we, We can't live... Uh, effectively in a society like that. We can't just have everybody going around stating that, that what I believe to be truth is moral. Uh, 
Somebody in here could say, could think it's morally correct to go murder somebody. It's morally correct to go, to go murder somebody because that's what I believe. All right, well, if we all follow your standards, we've got to start killing people, right? We can't do that. We've got to have a moral set of standards that we follow, and we believe those to be the Word of God. Is that correct? And so we're going to explore some moral truth claims. Can any claim be morally true? We have to be able to answer these in a logical way uh, when we approach the lost. The, morality, the definition of morality is to be concerned with the principles of right and wrong behavior and the goodness or badness of human character. This idea that we are concerned about the decisions we make, we're concerned about the way we live our lives. All right, it's, it's got to be that. But then the definition of truth is that which is in accordance with fact or reality. So what would the definition of moral truth be? Well, you just throw those together. It would be the concern about one's decisions, behaviors, or actions compared to principles of characteristics that are founded in the concern in the badness or goodness of human character. That's, that's a mouthful there. But this idea that we are conscious about what we're doing is right or wrong, whether we are good or bad people, means that we are concerned about a moral truth. The cultural narrative of moral truth comes from the individual, as we stated before. It is subjective, or that means personal. So however I want to see it is how it's going to be. And it's situational. My truth may change based on the situation I'm in. I don't know how many of you have been uh, around your friends. I remember uh, I graduated college and uh, what, how I was raised to live and how I decided to start living uh, were two different things. And I started making decisions based on the situation I was in. And I did things around people and my friends that I wouldn't necessarily do if I was by myself. However, because everybody else was doing it, and they believed it to be true, and I had a good time doing it at the time, well, then it must be true that this is a, this is a good thing. You know, repercussions never came, until much later anyways. Truth comes from choosing to believe it and through personal experience. We hear this all the time. This is my truth. Uh, no, no, that's your truth. Don't try to put your, your beliefs on me. That's your truth. That's not my truth. However, the biblical narrative is that there is a moral truth, one moral truth, and it is grounded in the character of God. And it is objective, meaning factual. We, uh, we've talked about uh, before how, how just we can prove the history in the Bible. So logic would dictate if we can prove history in the Bible over and over again, then the Bible must be true. And so moral truth is factual. And it is universal. God has the same standards for you as he has for me. He has the same truth because he is the truth. Oops. We discover this truth by discovering the nature of God when we study the scriptures. And therefore, moral truth is not created by an individual. It is a standard of measurement against the character or nature of God. God defines what is right, what is wrong, what is good, and what is evil. That is not for us to determine. All right? I, I don't know how many situations you've been in in your life where you start doing just a little bit of something, 
that, that looks evil and you've been told is evil, and the more you do it, well, now it's just everyday life and it doesn't affect you anymore as it should. So there is a standard of good and evil. God defines that. And however, truth is not something that God just decides. Truth is what God is. John 14, 5-7. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus did not say he was a truth, one of many truths out there. He said he is the truth, the one and only way to the Father. And so when we talk about truth claims, if it doesn't come and isn't grounded and measured from the Bible, then it's probably not truth. John Arvin said something to me that I, I, I really, really like. He said, if you come up with something, especially in the scriptures, that uh, for the last 2,000 years or so that somebody else hasn't come up with, you're probably wrong. Okay? Yeah. This, this idea that truth is not going to change. All right? God's truth, God's nature is divine, and his standard is always equal to four. But you know what I mean. Mathematical. Two plus two. doesn't change. So is moral truth universal? And if not, what would happen if we created our own moral truth? That was a discussion question that we had in class um, and that I'd like you to ponder on now. We don't have to... We, we can do a, a, a question and answer later. Just put it in my box if you want. But what would happen if we created our own moral truths? I mean, good night. I, I don't even want to think of all the bad things that would happen. Uh, the standards would be so insane. We want to talk about the difference in generations. We talk about 50 years ago, and it was so bad. It was so bad 50 years ago. Well, it really would be getting worse. It really would be getting worse. See, it's been pretty consistent. The sin has been the same. It's just changed ways in how it's done. I remember reading in Genesis that they had the same issue with, with uh, sexuality with people that we're having right now. It hasn't changed. So this idea that, that we can create our own moral truths can, cannot be a standard by which we live our lives. So is it universal? Meaning that uh, does the same standard hold for you and me uh, as it does for everybody else. We're Christians. We believe that the truth, the way to live, the way to measure how we make our decisions comes from the standard of God's Word. And so we have to know that our choices do not equal truth. They are only choices. And truth is not subjectively created, meaning it's not personally created. John 1.17, it says... Let me, I guess I need glasses. I'm getting in my 30s now. So, uh, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Grace and truth came through Jesus. It is not something that we get to make up and create on our own. 
The standard is right here. And it won't change. Truth cannot be relative and change from person to person or community to community. I used to think that that was true. I could act one way in front of my parents when I went home or, or my church friends at church. But when I got, when I got back to school, oh man, I could, I could raise it up and, uh, and it just wouldn't matter. Well, that's not the case. James 1, 17 as I yell at you guys in the mic, says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Our situations do not change what truth is. I will say that our situations can change how we look at truth. Allie and I, uh, big supporters of the LGBTQ movement uh, before, we, before we started having kids and got into uh, ministry. You may not know that about me, um, but we'd been pride parades. We had, we had a couple, uh, we hosted a couple to be engaged in our home, uh, same-sex couple. Uh, we'd been to all sorts of movements. Uh, we'd marched in, in parades and we protested. We were for abortion Then we started having kids, and we started getting into God's Word, and the way we looked at truth completely changed. I'm not, I'm not making that up to, to make things sound crazy, but I'm letting you know, the Word of God will change how you look at truth. Your situations will make you change how you look at truth and how you measure those standards. So don't think that you can't find truth just because your situation has changed. You just got to figure out where it's grounded in. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday, is the same yesterday and today and forever. Again, your situation may change, but the truth will always be the same. All truth claims cannot be equal. Jesus didn't claim to be a truth, as we stated a second ago, but the truth. He's the only way to God. John 14, 5. Let's read that together. Thomas said to him, again, we're going to read this again, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And God sent his son to his, in his own power and majesty. Jesus had no equal on this earth as to the truth he spoke and still speaks. Isaiah 45, 5 through 6. I am the Lord and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is no other. If we believe that there is a God, and we believe this is His Word inspired by the Holy Spirit, then we must believe there is only one standard. And it applies to all of us, equally, across the board. So moral truth is universal. It is based in reality and never changes. We've established that. And personal truth... 
the truth that we find in today's culture is subjective or personal. It's relative, and it changes as often as an individual wants. So what's the whole point of this, other than to let you know what our teens are, are learning? Well, I want us to know that morality, despite what the world says, despite what culture says and tells us, morality and moral behavior, they come from God. That is exactly where it comes from. Again, the Bible has been proven time and time again that it's historically accurate. So logically, you don't have to take a big jump in faith to believe this. Logically, it can be trusted in what it says. Even the laws and the standards within it. Morality and moral behavior are essential to living a Christian life. When we measure our truth against the character and nature of God, we are practicing moral truth. So as we go, how do we treat one another? Like I tell them, I, 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 grew, up, I grew up with my sisters, uh, my, my, young, my middle sister. Uh, she was in the same high school as me. So, you know, it, she got in there and, hey, brother, and I'd be like, oh, I don't know you, you know. How do we, how do we, how do we treat each other? How do we treat our family? How do we treat our church family? How do we treat those lost in the world? Because I'm not going to say that, that we hate them, but we don't always approach them from a biblical aspect. In fact, a lot of times we say, well, our doors have been open. They're not coming in. Let's shake the dust off our feet and go on. Let's cut them off. And we haven't even gone out and tried to reach the lost. We're waiting for them to come to us. What we ought to be doing, individually as Christians, is talking to the people in the world. They have different lifestyles than us. So what? They were created in the image of God. We don't have to endorse it, but we can show them love and respect and dignity We can accept them without accepting their behaviors. I tell this to my kids. I've said it to some of the teens. Uh, I will always love you. I have an unconditional love for you. But I don't always love your decisions. Right? And I think we can feel that way about everyone. And we can feel that way about the lost. Perhaps the lost in today's world... We don't need to say, oh, they're lost. Let's have nothing to do with them. Instead, go, I love you. I don't endorse your decision. But let me teach you. Let me show you. Hey, let's measure some of these based on this standard. Hey, let me explain to you how uh, this has happened since I've changed my life or I started walking this way. I was told, oh, I can't remember who told me. I'm sure someone will come up and tell me here in a little bit. Um, it was a long time ago, before we even really started going here. And uh, maybe it was Mike. It doesn't matter. So this idea that you don't have to believe in Christianity. You don't have to believe in God or the Bible. That's fine. Just try to live it for a month and see if it doesn't change your life. See, I applied that. And the next thing I know, I started studying because my life was changing. And I know people who, uh, I mean, good night, Brandon Tyler. 
He applied it. And his life changed. And now, now where is he at? He's a preaching school. And you guys played a part in that. Right? Why is that? You showed him biblical love. You see, he's an online viewer. And he came here and he, he got biblical love. And we didn't even know he was watching. Isn't that a scary thought? You don't know who's always watching. Last quarter, we talked about mentors. And I'm sure that's now the kid's favorite word because we said it a million times. But you don't always know who's watching. You may be a mentor to somebody in the church and you may not even know it. So it's time that we practice these biblical definitions in a cultural world and watch it change the culture. It's happened before. Amen? It can happen again. Amen? Amen! And I want to I finish with this. If moral truth is being practiced in a hateful way, it may be grounded in truth, but it is not moral. God does not give us His truth in a hateful way. And we should not give it to others in that way. I have a personal story about my sister. I'm not going to give all the details out. Um, but she just got out of recovery. So very happy for her. She's been twice now. And there was a time, again, I told you guys a little bit about it uh, the last lesson when I was yelling at everybody. Uh, but there was a time where we had to let her know that this is our standard and we have measured based on God's word. And you're, you're welcome when you start following these guidelines, but we, we can't be around you. We can't have you around our kids. We can't have your influence around us until you start adhering to these standards. I want us to remember that we can set boundaries. I think it's very dangerous to cut off. What would happen if God decided after, after the garden and we first sinned? What if instead of giving them clothes and food and sending them out and being with them and creating a way for us to rejoin him one day and be re, uh, reunited with him, what if he had just said, you know what, I'm done. I'm just going to cut this off. See, it is not in God's nature to cut off. It's his nature to hold an intolerant standard in love and truth, dignity and respect. And when they come back, if that is their choice, welcome them with open arms. Loved, forgiven, equal. All right? I'd like to end with this verse here, and then the lesson will be yours. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 4. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Paul writes that, the church in Corinth. 
I challenge us this week, really for our lives, but let's take off a, a bite at a time. And I challenge you this week to find somebody in the world that is lost. You may probably, more than likely, already know that person. Show them some biblical love. Show them that God's intolerant standard is actually quite a beautiful thing. And if you apply it to your life, it'll change your life for the better. So uh, as we get ready to uh, I'll offer your, uh, an invitation, we haven't really talked about baptism so much, but uh, if you have the need to be baptized, if you need the prayers of the church or the, the leadership or of your brethren, you know, because we can pray with each other just, just as well as the leaders do. If you need anything at all, rely on the church. This is our support system. This is who we love and who we uh, who help helps us hold a standard accountable in our own lives and how we treat people. And sometimes the people we treat the worst is ourselves. The church is there for us. And the church is here for you if you have any need at all. Please come as we stand and sing.